Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. True Hauntings is a Frightfully Good production. Ducats Grove is an 18th century manor house situated in County Carlow, Ireland. Although a devastating fire in 1933 left it in ruins, the manor's exterior retains just enough to allow your imagination to rebuild its medieval appearance. You can just imagine how amazing this building must have looked back in its heyday. There is a belief that a curse has cast a shadow over the Duckett family for generations. But would a curse have been cast in the first place? What did this family do to earn such a sentence of bad luck for generations to come? And what else can be found in the ruins of this building? Hi, I'm Renata. And I'm Anne. And in this episode of the True Hauntings podcast, we go back to Ireland to discover the secrets of Duckett's Grove. Anne and Renata have been investigating paranormal occurrences for the past 20 years. They have been at the centre of various unexplained phenomena and have witnessed countless ghostly experiences. The duo now turn to high-profile cases that have attracted the eyes of the world. Between the dimensions we see and the dimensions we don't, supernatural forces are at play. Evil lurks within the shadows of our homes and in the darkest corners of our minds. It follows us like a shadow forever. This is where nightmares become reality. This is True Hauntings. Waning moonlight cascaded over the eerie grounds of Ducats Grove in County Carlow. Little was known of the abandoned manor house and its forgotten grounds, except by locals who claim it had been the home to a powerful Irish family before it was destroyed in a mysterious fire in the late 1800s. The curious began to visit the crumbling remains, hoping to catch a glimpse of the grandeur it used to be. But stories started to circulate around the county of strange and terrifying things said to haunt the halls and grounds of the old estate. A group of friends decided to visit the derelict house on a late autumn night, recklessly thinking their bravado would ward off any potential danger. But 
as they crossed the threshold, something seemed to shift in the air and all of a sudden a loud crash reverberated from the depths of the house. Startled, the teens raced out and as they were making their escape, one of the boys caught a glimpse of a figure in the shadows. It seemed to move swiftly, almost as if it were floating, and when it passed beneath the light of a nearby lamppost, its face seemed to be that of a skeleton. Terrified, the group barely managed to keep it together and hurried off, never to return to Duggett's Grove. Since then, Locals have continued to tell stories of strange and supernatural beings that lurk in the ruins of the house, all of which have been attributed to the curse of the Duckett family that still lingers within the walls. It is one of the most haunted places in Ireland. Hi Anne, how are you? G'day Renata, how you doing? Not too bad, how, thanks. How are they hanging? Oh, pretty low. <laughs> we get lower and lower. Yeah. Gravity is not our friend. Oh well, you know, as where we as we are recording this, it's coming to the pointy end of the year, so we've probably got what about um, six weeks or something to go, six seven weeks before the end of the year. Yeah. And everything's going a bit crazy. Yeah, it's cray cray time. Yeah, everyone's pushing to get everything done so that they're ready for the festivities and maybe some time off or some time away. <laughs> time off? What's that? Mm. <laughs> Yeah, so, um, yeah. But also getting ready for next year. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, already planning for 2024 and um, fingers crossed it's going to be one of our best. Yeah, and a big shout out to all the Paranormal 60 fans who have joined us from Dave Schrader's channel. Thank you so much for stopping by. Mm-hmm. In this episode of the podcast, we are back in Ireland. And you know what? This place may be close enough for us to go and visit when we are in Ooh. Ireland next year. Oh. Mm. So we shall see whether we can actually, now that we've talked about it and now that we um, are going to sort of explore the history of this place, uh, I've, I've had a look at photos. It was in its heyday massive, absolutely huge. But even as it stands now... It's as creepy as anything. Yes, it is. So, mm, let me tell you a little bit about Duckard's Grove then. Another saucy Irish tale. Mm. So, this was built in 1745 as a two-storey Georgian country house for the Duckett family. Now, when I went into looking at the Duckett family kind of started off a little bit like is it the Old Testament where this person beget that person and then beget <laughs> that person and then I just went I can't say all of this I know it's relevant but I can't, I can't so I've kind of squished it into just a couple of ducats <laughs> You know, every time I hear Duckett, I want to go, Rabba Ducky, you're the one. <laughs> and, uh, and that's what we're going to go with. But um, at the request of John Dawson 
Ducket. The house was redesigned in 1830 and that's when it got turrets and arches and ornaments and all the other bits and pieces. It got very fancy. So, yes. So they uh, actually came from England, Lincolnshire, Lincolnshire, uh, in 1205. So the first one was Richard Ducket and he was the Lord of the Manor of Fillingham in Lincolnshire and he moved did, over did to they, Ireland. Did they fill him in? Oh. <laughs> so we're going back to 1205, but he was also a judge and a magistrate in seven counties during the reign of Henry III. Now, they've got quite a bit of history uh, in that family and it's well known. So you'll, you'll see as we progress um, where all this money and where the the sort of the place in the hierarchy of this family was. Mm-hmm. It was quite a lot. Now, the manor's estate used to be in the centre of a 12,000-acre property. Now, that's 49 kilometres squared. Wow. That's huge. That was a few counties. It was going over a few counties. Yeah. Uh, and it was, by the time it was it was sort of all over and done with, it was reduced to about 5,000 acres, so 20 kilometres squared. That's a big difference. I don't that, know what that is in miles. Sorry for our USA people. Yeah. Look it up. <laughs> The blood, blood, we like to take care of our people. The bloodline of the Ducat family can be traced back to William the Conqueror and King Edward of the course, First. Of course, uh, but in the 17th century, George Ducat decided to leave England for Ireland, uh, and so that's how he got there. He, originally, when he got that particular site, the, he did build a smaller house, a smaller house, um, and then as the family started to grow, or one of the family members decided to build his big mansion there. So Sir George Duckett was the first of the Duckets to arrive in Ireland. He was one of many English landlords who decided to leave Ireland while the Cromwellian period was uh, taking over. Run away! Uh, yeah, in the 1650s. So they were destroying everything associated with um, um the Catholic Church, mm-hmm. uh, and so there were many people there quite fearful of what they owned um, and also of the servants and everyone that was working on those estates because they were after everyone. Yeah. Uh, so they thought, well, I'm just going to take my money and leave um, and just try my luck in, in um, Ireland. Yeah, but guess what happened to Ireland? Mm-hmm. They went. They went there. Anyway, in the early years of the Duckett story, uh, there was a lot of intermarriage with some well-connected and wealthy families. So, you so know, marrying the cousins, money, money Is that marries what we're money. About? Yeah, yeah, money marries money. Okay, yep. Yeah. Oh, um, you've got to have good bloodlines, apparently, because that gives you the best inbreds. Yes. Oh. 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 Did I go too far? That was yeah. my outside voice, wasn't it? And so this, of course, elevated their financial status and it allowed the expansion of the lands that the family owned. Because, again, if you married someone who uh, was right next to the land that you owned, it then mean, meant that you could extend that and yeah. sort of add it to... Everything that you own. So the Ducket children made sure that they married money, and those who did not have children during their marriages still married well. So not much is known about what happened to the Ducket family history. Um, 
for quite a number of years until the late 1800s. So it's just a void. Well, we know that they were a all, void. They were marrying. They were expanding um, the the family and. They uh, were having massive parties, which I'm going to yeah. talk about in a minute. And I just thought, you could have a T-shirt, put it in the ducket bucket. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm scratching the bottom of the well for jokes today. Yeah, please. I didn't sleep it's, well last night, fine. Renata. I've been stressed. You don't have to joke. Excuse me. I'm funny sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. Oh, bitch. So William Dawson Duckett died on the 22nd of June 1908 at the age of 86. And he was the last member of the Duckett family line to live in Duckett's Grove uh, in that Gothic mansion in Rainstown, Carlow. And he left his wife, Maria, and her daughter living after his death. Now, the daughter, Olive, uh, or Olivia, I think it is. Or Olive, I'll have, I'll check that. One, one of those two. I've got it there somewhere. Um, she Olive, was actually Olive. a stepdaughter. Right? Yes. So there was a lot of philandering around oh, the ducats. It was he a wandering willy, was and he? And maybe that's where one of the ghost stories comes from. Yep. Um, but yeah, that seemed to sort of be passed down from father to son and uncle and. So the ducats seem to. So their seeds everywhere. I'm not going to say the f word. No, no, they <laughs> they sowed their wild oats everywhere. Mm-hmm. Now, it was at this time that Maria decided to leave Duckett's Grove because uh, being uh, alone with her daughter on this huge, massive property was a great strain on her. But also, she was getting threats from people. They wanted to get her out of there. They wanted her to sell this huge place and take it over. So she had death threats. Um, She was very unwell from the fear that was going on um, around her and around this property. So she decided to go back uh, to... She said, duck it, I'm going. uh, Another mansion. So she had another mansion which was given to her as a wedding gift by her late husband, William Duckett. And so she spent some time there in Dublin, but also she went back to her home in London as well. So she kind of moved around wherever she felt comfortable, but she never returned to Duckett's Grove. That was one step too far. And this is also to avoid threats from the people that were living around that area as well. Now, during the Irish War of Independence in Ireland, uh, Maria decided that it was best just to sell Duckett's Grove. And she uh, was advised really for her health to move to England uh, and not come back. So she moved and lived there until 1928 uh, when she felt safe enough to return to her house in Dublin. Uh, By this time, she was in quite a bad way mentally and. And uh, she was suffering from some sort of chronic psychological disorder from the strain that she had felt. Uh, And um, she caused a lot of problems for herself and um, her, she and her daughter did not speak. Um, And she would get quite violent with her daughter. Oh, wow. So maybe there was this thing of... Yeah, the daughter being the stepdaughter. Plus, she didn't like the fact that she felt that the stepdaughter had been living in sin with her partner. <gasps> they they did oh, not wow. get married. They did not get in married. In those days, wow. Mm, so uh, that was a bit of an issue. So 
was Olive Maria's daughter and therefore William Duckett's stepdaughter? No, she was she was she, uh, Maria's stepdaughter. So she was William Duckett's daughter, daughter by first marriage. Oh, I get it now. Oh, now that explains why there was a little bit of hatred going on mm, there. Mm. Oh, that explains a lot, actually. It, it gets worse. It gets really worse. So... Um, she had. She was getting visual hallucinations with all of this sort of stuff. Uh, oh and this uh, is Maria. Yeah, she had quite a bit of a mania that was happening. She believed everyone was out together, and especially anyone from the Roman Catholic Church. Uh huh. So, yes. Yeah. And this was probably laid on from back in the day when she had all of these threats, and this is when it started. Um, she, like I said, was getting. Horrible hallucinations. Uh, I wonder if somebody was poisoning her. That, mm. That's just me mm. s- suggesting an idea. I'm not saying that's what happened. Duckett family, don't come and duck me. Mm. And she was lying to everyone. So she'd go to neighbours and people and say, look, I don't even have enough money to buy a can of um, sardines to eat. Uh, I'm starving. Uh, she lived in appalling conditions. People that had come to the house uh, would just be... Could not understand why she was living in such squalor. Uh, she ate from um, three utensils that she had. She had a um, like a, a brass cup, um, a brass plate, and uh, a fork that she used, and a napkin that was soiled. She didn't even bother oh, cleaning no. it. But she was surrounded by thousands of pounds worth of family treasures. Treasures, yeah. So they, they couldn't work out what was going on. Maybe she did think that everything was being poisoned. And yeah. that's why she just used all of these little bits and would not do anything. Why didn't she sell anything? She, th- that was something that she felt that was too overwhelming. She would give some money away. Oh, she had ADHD. I yeah. understand the poor darling. So she did give some money away to um, certain charities that she was devoted to, but literally she left everything to um, the will, which um, she died when she was 86 in 1937. It, maybe it was dementia of some form, right? because uh, yes. paranoia is one yes. of the symptoms. I think it was some sort of dementia, absolutely. Oh, poor darling. But she... Uh, left the stepdaughter out of the will. Uh-oh. And it was called, there's a term. Um, that the it angry was shilling. The angry shilling, mm. uh, which meant that all she received, all Olive received was a shilling. Yep. Um, and they call it the angry shilling because you've got to kind of give them something. Yes. As if, as if you're giving them a kick in the face. Well, also it's um, to show that they had not been forgotten in the will. Mm-hmm. By giving them something, it means that I know exactly what I'm giving you and this is what I think of you mm-hmm. so that you can't then contest the will. Mm-hmm. And she also could get, this is Olive, she also could get interest from £7,000, I believe, that was left in a bank account. Yeah. Uh, So that's what was left to her. Imagine that. Her father was so wealthy, coming from a long line of wealth, and he he married her quite late. Mm. Um, He was like 70-something when he married her, wasn't he? Yes, yes. So she must have been younger. Mm. And uh, then the 
daughter's left with nothing mm-hmm. out of that. That's mm-hmm. pretty rotten. And the ducats were um, somewhere along the line. They were Quakers as well. Oh. So maybe that had something to do with amassing all of this money mm. and not spending it. Uh, um, I know that they were always sort of in the upper echelons of community, wherever they were. They were judges and doctors and all of this sort of stuff. Uh, but more than anything, it was about uh, always marrying into wealth and making sure that they did not marry under uh, their, their their sense of you know where they, they stood in the community. I wonder if that's why Olive never married, because she didn't have a dowry, so to speak. Mm, don't know. Don't mm, know. Interesting I thought. mean, the person that she was with was, um, you know, wasn't just anybody. Uh, he he was, I think he was a captain um, in the army or something. Ooh, okay. So, you know, he did have uh, you know, something behind him. Apart but, from a woman. Mm, oh, but um, <laughs> no, I didn't mean it like so that. I've I've kind of, I went from Dirty the first to the last, and in between, just just kind of make that bit up about there, about there, there was people having babies and they, creating yes, more ducats. Yes, there were lots of ducats around. <laughs> but I want to get to the lifestyle of, of the ducats oh, because yes. this is about the the building, not the family. Yep. So Ducats Grove um, had a grandeur equaled only by the surroundings in which it was enjoyed. So they lived a lifestyle that other people would envy. And to make it even more envious, they actually opened the doors to the local people so that they could come and picnic on the grounds and have a little look-see into the house through the windows. So they had 11 men who were employed full-time just to maintain the lawns, the gardens and the drives. And they had three gate lodges, each more beautiful than the next, with one, it is said to have probably been the finest gate lodge built anywhere in Ireland. Those gate lodges are still, or the gates are still standing. Yeah, didn't we stay in a gatehouse in Ireland? Um, or was it? You remember we stayed at that little lodge? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was a lodge. It wasn't. Wasn't. Don't know a yeah. gatehouse. It was. Mm. Um, but it was beautiful. Mm. Family used to live there. So when you went through the main gates, visitors were greeted uh, by these beautifully maintained driveways. They had well-stocked farmland. They had woods. They had eight acres of pleasure grounds. Oh, darling. Pleasure grounds. Let's go to the pleasure grounds. Which would have been gardens that were beautifully maintained so that you could stroll. Walled gardens. Walled gardens. Uh, And, yeah, whatever else pleasure grounds had. I'm not sure what pleasure (laughs) grounds had. Well, according to William, there was probably quite a bit going on Mm, in there. I'd say so. So, as I mentioned, they were really happy to show off Dockett's Grove and they permitted uh, visitors to come in and picnic on the grounds. But by the turn of the century, attitudes towards them were changing uh, and they were actually forced to close to the public. Now, I want to read you this. This was a notice that appeared in the Carlo Sentinel on June 1901. For over 80 years, the huge property and grounds have been thrown open to the public and the privilege not abused, as many as 150 lunching on the same day by permission in different parts of the property. But during the last year, the family has been much annoyed by persons breaking the rhododendrons and other (laughs) flowers, damaging kept grass, entering the yards, bringing their faces as close to the windows as they can get, loud laughing and talking. Oh, 
How dare they? How rude. Wasn't that the whole idea of allowing people in to be able to see how the other half lives? But and- at, a, uh, at a distance. Yes. At a distance. Yes, don't, don't get the, don't the poor get people too close. too close. Yeah, don't get too close to the... Look from afar, yeah. people. The yeah. dirty unwashed. Look, if you've got all that much property, you, you would kind of go, look, have a look around. Have some you know, pleasure, but not too some, much pleasure. Yeah, not too much pleasure in the pl- pleasure gardens or whatever they are. Oh, dear. Can we get a T-shirt with pleasure gardens on it? <laughs> <laughs> so, let me continue. This hardly being good manners, they were requested to leave. Should this sort of thing continue, the steward has orders to close uh, the the um, the domain and grounds uh, to all sightseers. Uh, the notice clearly did not have the de- desired effect. And on August the 2nd, 1902, so they gave it another year, the following appeared. Duckett's Grove is now closed to all tourists and sightseers. No one can be permitted after this notice. And that was the end of the grounds ever being open to the public again. Do you remember going to that place in Ireland that, uh, was it Malahide? Malahide Castle, where you could see the 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 castle or the place that they lived in, um, and we were allowed to walk through the grounds and the, all the spring flowers around and that big yes, Irish wolfhound. Yes, was that Malahide? I can't remember, mm. but um, it was like you were also kept at a distance from there, but you mm-hmm. were allowed to walk through the grounds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it must have been a similar sort of thing. Must have been. And those grounds were beautiful, so I can only imagine imagine what this place was. But I guess the Duckets travelled and they entertained. They actually built another residence uh, on the estate and guess, listen to this, it could accommodate 300 guests. What? Yep. Even we might have got an invite. Mm, 300 guests and on great occasions there was a party organised uh, and even Queen Victoria uh, arrived and stayed there in April 1900. Now, three years earlier at Duckett Grove, the Queen's Diamond Jubilee was also celebrated, so lavish parties were held. But they actually were very good to their workers. They invited workers to have parties and brought them food and everything so that they could enjoy themselves. Their wives and families were also uh, acknowledged and brought in. Uh, Over 150 people to cater for and take care of. There were gifts distributed to the children. There were also engraved portraits of Queen Victoria. The Union Jack flew from the turret and old women sat recalling the celebrations after the Crimean War and Victoria's coronation 60 years before. Wow. So Mrs. Duckett was very, very loyal to the crown. So was this the Maria Duckett or is this the original Duckett? Maria. Maria. Now, this is all starting to make sense that after William died uh, and she's left on her own to cope with this estate, if the workers were used to being kept in a certain way and then she's becoming suspicious and I've got no money, I've got Mm -hmm. no money, Mm -hmm. um, you can see why they've turned on her and are pressuring her to sell Mm. or to to do something because they themselves can't function if they're not being looked after Mm -hmm. the way they're accustomed to. And there were laws at that time in the 1800s where if you had um, a servant that was a Catholic that you had to register that person. Oh, what? Mm. And it was very, that's like, it was that's very like much Nazi Germany. It was very much frowned upon, and mm. this was this was another worry to her because it, it, 
there were times when you kind of had to hide the fact mm-hmm. that um, you were hiring Catholic people. Yeah. Uh, the family enjoyed long-standing reputation of generosity towards their workers. They supplied them with suits of clothes, boots, and cash for the men every Christmas. Their wives got bedclothes and cash, and there were gifts for the children. And every autumn, they got fruit, vegetables, and rabbits that were sent to the workhouse in Carlo. From- oh, the workhouse. So yep. that's that's the um, yep. the poorhouse. Mm-hmm. Oh. So that uh, those that were inside, yeah, including the children, got a liberal weekly supply. So oh. they, kind of, they looked Good after. People. Yeah, they looked after them all. Now, in 1939, there was a sensational court case in Dublin uh, which ended the Duckett Grove, Duckett's Grove fairy tale. And this was the one that was all about Maria and Olive. And this went through the High Court um, and the will was read out and everyone knew about it. Um, now, the estate that she had at the time of her death was valued at 97 1735 pounds which in today's money would be millions absolutely millions of, of um, pounds mm-hmm. now her only daughter had been disinherited and um, everything that was left if you're looking for plump lips that last you need to know about juvederm lip fillers with Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. 
Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. ...was given to the poor. Oh, wow. Oh, that's, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, um, this went on for 12 days, this whole thing. So even though other things were happening in the country and in the world, the only thing that the people of Ireland uh, wanted to know about was um, what was happening with Maria's money. <laughs> Who was getting what? That reminds me of, um, what's his name, Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. Yes. Everyone wanted to know what was happening. Mm-hmm. Now, fire destroyed part of Duckett's Grove on the 20th of April, 1933. Now, can I just point out there that the soundscape that we did today uh, came from, there, there is a reason why I'm halting you at that particular moment in time, from adequatetravel.com, and they said that it uh, burnt down in the 1800s. Mm. So they, they had a, a, a mistake. Mm-hmm. And, sorry, uh, I've, yeah, I've sorry. discombobulated you now, haven't I? The cause was not determined. A week before that, a small fire did break out and that did cause a little bit of damage, but because it was recognised very quickly, it was put out. Why was there an attempt to burn the building? Now, this, this wasn't is... an attempt to burn the building, was it? It looks like it was just a, an oops. Mm. So this so... is a, a lot after all of this squabbling about money and everything, mm-hmm. um, unless Olive. Mm-hmm. Are you pointing the finger it. at Olive? I don't know. I'm just, if, I'm just saying. If I that's... can't have it, nobody can have yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. In between that, the whatever was left of the mansion was used uh, in a couple of different cases. I do have a little bit of information about the fact that in 1921, a group of local farmers purchased the mansion and uh, uh, 1,300 acres of land. Um, it went to the Land Commission to repay back loans for a yeah, while. Yeah, they're, they're all squabbling over who's going to get what, and they all got greedy, and yeah. and so they lost it. Yep, 48 farmers received uh, part of the holdings, um, they then sold it to uh, the Hanover Works in Carlo. Every time it was sold, it was sold for less and less and less and less and less. Um, and uh, in 2005, Carlo County Council acquired the property. Uh, at the moment, they have a tea house there and a small craft workshop. But oh, can I, we go and have tea there? I did read in um, uh, some local news that they are petitioning to try and get some of the uh, mansion open again and restored because it is quite a heritage place. It's astounding, the, Mm. the architecture. Now, the interesting thing about it is that if you read some things, and I'm nearly done, uh, oh, and that came from a book that was written by Jimmy O'Toole, The Carlo Gentry, What Will the Neighbours Say? <laughs> Which I think is very interesting. I love the name. <laughs> mm. uh, there were tunnels under the house. Yes. Why would there be tunnels under the house when this place is in the middle of nowhere? It's nowhere near the ocean. Mm -hmm. It is nowhere near a big city. 
why are there tunnels? It could now, be servant tunnels. W- we went to a house. Yes. The last time we were in Ireland. And Puka Paranormal took us. With Puka Paranormal. And there was a, it was a millionaire's residence. Um, and, and they made their money on the back of the starving. So that, that's correct. That was shunned by the community. So it could have been more or less around the same time. I have to say that there was a few things about this one that reminded me of that building. And they had tunnels under the house. Yes, they had a tunnel where you could drive the uh, carriage and the horses down Mm -hmm. and uh, the, the people could step out of the carriage onto... Uh, an elevated platform so they could then walk down steps. Yes. And they had uh, storage areas. They even had places to keep some of the livestock mm-hmm. all in these tunnels underground. Yeah. And that was that was awesome. That was an amazing experience to go down there. Uh, so I read that the secret tunnels at Duckett's Grove were prim- primarily designed for practical purposes. So transportation, smuggling, and an, and escape routes in tougher times. I wonder if it's like you know how uh, at Tomago House they've got the panic panic door. Yeah, maybe yeah. it was something like that. If there was um, somebody coming to raid the property, they had a, a way to escape through the tunnels. Mm-hmm. This is probably where many of the legends of Duckett's Grove come from, though. All about these tunnels and what happened in. Oh, these there's tunnels. demons down there. Yes, absolute demons. Uh, so. Uh, there is a, according to this article that I read, there was a small part of the tunnel system that was still open to the public, and you could get a private tour to go Ooh. in. Um, don't know if that is something that is available or is going to be available now, uh, but they did speculate. And there were various legends that talked about hidden chambers, concealed treasure, forgotten artifacts, all of the things that would have gone uh, into tunnels if you were trying to hide it away from people who are coming through to loot and pillage. Mm. Mm. Now, uh, the Duckett family and have their own private burial ground at Knock. Nakri, Cree, uh, and the earliest burial there is 1839, and that's where John Dorset Duckett's eldest daughter Elizabeth uh, is buried. She died at the age of 18. There are eight burials recorded, with the last one being William Duckett, who died on June the 22nd, 1908, and the Walden Quarter Acre burial site and its headstones are still largely intact. So that might be somewhere where it would be interesting to go and mm. see as well. Absolutely. So I thought I'd just kind of hover around a lot of, um, you know, the history and a little bit about the house. Yeah, because there's some important things that are going to link into my stories. Mm -hmm. Okay, so now it is all up to you. Well, the hauntings. Oh, I do love my hauntings. Now, this was that haunted that it has actually attracted a TV crew Mm. to come and film there so they are talking about all sorts of things there's unknown human figures unexplained lights uh, heavy hollow sounds coming from the building Um, there there is all sorts of strange things but let me tell you a little bit more detail because there is one very famous thing that is allegedly there and this is what drew the the camera crew in Mm -hmm. And that is the Banshee. The Banshee. 
And of course, we're talking about paranormal. Is it paranormal? No. What is it? Um, Josh Gates. Oh, now I can't find the name of it. Uh, Destination Truth. That's what it was. I get confused because there's two now. There's Destination, the other thing as well. Now, apparently, uh, the William, who was Maria's husband and who was the ducket, mm-hmm. had that little bit of a wandering willy. So maybe that contributed to her paranoia as well. Mm. Uh, and allegedly, he was having an affair with a young lady mm-hmm. or girl. Mm-hmm. They, they did say young girl, and I, I normally would assume that's a, a, a teenager, late teen sort of thing. Uh, and she, there's there's different stories of what happened here. So I've read some stories that say she was riding her horse on the grounds mm-hmm. and fell off and died. I've heard. Uh, I read other stories that said she was trying to get away from him mm-hmm. on a horse and fell off and died. But either way... She died. She died. <laughs> uh, I did try to do some research to see if this was a true story or a made-up story. I couldn't find any names. Uh, I did read some information that there, and again, it was part of a story or some information that was associated with the ducats to say that there was a death of a young lady um, mm-hmm. during the history of the family mm-hmm. uh, in Ireland. But it, does, does it, it... The daughter, the 18-year-old daughter died? She did. So are they confusing those two stories? They could be. I don't know. I just thought of that. Mm. Oh, look at me. But... Right, okay. Apparently, during that era, that was quite a common thing for the master of the house to take a, um, a, what do you call it? A mistress. Mistress, thank you. I was coming up with other words were not appropriate to say on a podcast. Um, And so it is plausible. The men have had a good time through history. That's all I can say. They have always... Sorry, guys. They have always... They've been allowed to whack that willy out wherever they feel <laughs> like it, really. They, yes, whatever. They, oh, I'll just... Yeah. I'll, I'll, yeah. Yeah. No. 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 All right. So, the this is how the curse came about. Because the angry, grieving mother of a young girl who has been having an affair with William Duckett and was riding on the state and fell off the horse, the mother cursed the family uh so the oh now hang on so the mother called in the banshee uh as the result of a now i I cannot say this word p-i-s-e-o with a what and a g piesig uh, I think I'm saying that like it's Polish. Mm. <laughs> and placed a curse on the house and family. But not only just a curse, it was about death, despair and financial ruin. Mm. So basically, while ever there was a ducat living under that roof, they would never find any peace or... Uh, 
um, financial, or stability. financial stability. Yeah, Maria made sure of that, didn't she? Well, Maria, if she was aware of this curse, and we know that people who believe they have been cursed feed into it, they believe they are cursed and they create the curse. Mm-hmm. Was that part of her mania? Possibly, possibly. But we have the Banshee, and this is where I found some very interesting contradictions on what a Banshee was. Now, I watched the TV show, and they had a professor from the University of Dublin there, and they came on. Her name was uh, Patricia Lysart. Um, She said that the Banshee is one of your own family. So it's a family member who has passed and gone to the other side. And they are coming back to tell you and to that you're about to die and Mm -hmm. that they're going to take you back with you. So if you are aware of a Banshee around, leave her alone. She's just there to do her work and she will leave you alone. And no good ever came to anyone who interfered with a Banshee. Hmm. Hmm. So this was the widow's curse that was placed by the mother, uh, would never be happy. The Banshee, now she's saying that the Banshee came back to implement the curse. But I don't, if, if it's a family member coming back to let you know you're about to die... Because normally what happens is you hear the Banshee and then a, a, a member of your family dies. Yes. But they're saying the Banshee came back to implement a curse and haunt the family, which actually goes against what a Banshee allegedly is. Does that make sense to you? Mm. Unless the Banshee came back a couple of times. And got around. And, and she's, you know, haunting the family. I don't know. Mm. Yeah, I just thought that was a, a very interesting... Yeah, they're supposed to be the harbinger of doom. (laughs) Poor Banshee. So when the Banshee does come in, apparently you can hear them shrieking on the wind through the ruins of Duckett's Grove for the towers, from the towers for two days and nights. And uh, then normally you will find there is a fatality or tragedy. Now, there are accounts of a woman who dropped dead on the grounds. Uh, There was a a worker who then heard the Banshee cry and two nights later, uh, no, not two nights, the following morning, the mother died. His mother died. Mm -hmm. So it's supposed to be two nights before, but, you know, we we won't count that. That's fine. Uh, The other things that they've heard, there are servants still working in the kitchens. And we always say that they never talk about the ghosts of the ordinary people that would have worked there, but we've Mm -hmm. got them there. So that would have been um, a residual thing, I feel. There is also a phantom horse and carriage Mm. that has rolled up to the former entrance. (gasps) Floating balls of light. Mm -hmm. Oh, I wonder if that's... um, Ball lightning. Uh, Shadows, voices, all the traditional things that you would normally get in a castle. Apparently, William Duckett himself is riding a horse on the estate. And there was one that I found that said, uh, the spirit of William Duckett has been seen and often sensed, Uh so the psychics read it, within the entrance area. And some claim to see him ride a white horse around the grounds of the site. Mm. A white horse. A white horse. Uh, What else have I got here? Um, He was very 
um, against Catholicism and apparently paranormal investigators like to come onto the site with Catholic relics and rosary beads to incite him to get the the wow. the, the activity happening. Gee, they're mm. placing their life in their hands, aren't they? That's what I reckon. Um, now, uh, there's another little reference to another spirit that I saw in one story. A demonic dog. Yes, a demonic <gasps> dog. Oh, with long, shaggy hair and blazing red eyes. I'd say that's an Irish wolfhound. Irish wolfhound. Yeah. Oh, they're beautiful. They'd come they and give are. you a cuddle. They would. They'd lick you to death. Um, uh, so they've seen patrolling the area. And I, I found this other strange story as well. A well-known story concerns a man who was passing the house on horseback late one night. Upon passing the gate, his horse stopped frozen in fear. The man tried to snap the horse from his terrifying trance, but was unable to. When he placed his holy rosary beads around the horse's neck, that's a Catholic thing, this strange phenomena was lifted and they set about their way once more. Mm. I only found that in one place, but isn't that strange? Mm-hmm. Like I just mentioned, the paranormal investigators bringing in the rosary beads. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They've got their holy rosary beads yeah. and they've fixed it. Yeah. Oh, I reckon that's a, a Protestants versus Catholic story there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I found another odd one as well. Now, as I was saying, um, you know, the paranormal teams were coming in and, and finding things and um, some of the results they got... Uh, claimed that they were touched by unseen hands, heard unearthly whispers, whimpers, whispers, uh, and that they have a lot of trouble with their equipment. There's uh, malfunctions, batteries being drained, and they're all putting that down, of course, to the haunted location. Mm -hmm. But this is the one that got me, and I'm, I'm slightly confused. Perhaps most unusually, the sound of bagpipes have also been reported at certain times throughout the property. Okay. What, why would there be bagpipes? Maybe a worker. Maybe somebody was practicing. Yeah, maybe a worker who was practicing. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I do remember me telling the story about me being a high school music teacher and having a kid that was doing, sorry, a young man, he wasn't a kid, uh, doing the bagpipes for the HSC. Mm-hmm. And the only way we could deal with him to practice is to put him out in the oval. <laughs> Those things are loud. He was very good, but um, very, very loud. Now, before I get on to the TV show, which I want to look at in a little bit more detail, there is a report uh, with the fire as well. Apparently, when the fire happened, there was a number of reports saying that it was the vengeful, vengeful apparition that caused the fire that destroyed the house. Her cries could be heard slicing through the night air before the house come to flames, and many claim to have seen her dancing and the house as the fire raged around her. Okay. wonder if it's Olive. Mm. (laughs) Sorry, I didn't say that out loud. (laughs) Uh, uh, On another occasion, locals said, (coughs) sorry, the sounds of her supernatural screaming lasted for two full days. Now, here's the two days again. That keeps popping up all the time. According to legend, a woman died inexplicably while walking past the house a few days later. Now, that's 
different to the one that said somebody died on the grounds. Yes. So there's all these, you know, where we talk about Chinese whispers, yeah. where mm-hmm. um, the stories morph and change as it's told from person to person. But I would like to talk about the the TV show that went in mm-hmm. with Josh. Uh, and they had some interesting phenomena. Oh, there was another paranormal team I wanted to talk about as well that found some uh, evidence. Apparently they're a very well-known paranormal team and they've put pictures up and said it's a child and I'm looking at it going, I can't see it. I just can't <laughs> see just it. Can't and they're see like it, in five different newspapers with this astounding picture and I'm going, mm, I can't see it. Mm. Yeah. All right. So, of course, they knew all the story of it all. And did you know that... Uh, Apparently, the viewers who were watching at the time were allowed to press a banshee button if they felt that they saw something or felt something. <laughs> How was, did they press a well, banshee was, button? It was in 2011 and there was a banshee button and and it must have been online so that if you were watching online, it must have been live, mm, you, uh, could, you, could, you could press the, the banshee, banshee button. button. Right. <laughs> but the, the episode I watched didn't seem to be like audience interaction at all it was very I, I don't know if i'm getting confused with different things or what but anyway uh they did divide it up and they looked at the castle and the halls and the tunnels they were in the the spires the forests, the gardens looking for any sort of uh, phenomena, and they had Barry from Ghost Hunters International come and join them because mm-hmm. he's the Irish expert. I've met Barry; he is a lovely, lovely man. Uh, they did catch a whale. A, a, uh, hold on, what? A what? A whale? Not a, not a fish oh, whale, oh, right? <laughs> a King Banshee whale. <laughs> oh, okay. We, we've forgotten about the the story here. The yes, Banshee. I've got it. I've got and it. they've they've. They've caught it on camera and they're playing it back. And I'm going, that could be anything. They've got forest around them. Now, Mm -hmm. one of the things they said is they searched the uh, area for animals and there was none around. But at one stage, they said there's something out there because the sheep have been stirred up and you could hear the sheep bleating. Mm Mm-hmm. So there was freaking animals around. No, it was a banshee. It was a banshee. Okay. Uh, Get with the story. I had a quick look online to work out what could cause the noise of a banshee. And apparently there is an owl, a screeching barn owl, Mm -hmm. that could quite easily be mistaken for a banshee. Mm -hmm. And also foxes. Ah. So, but it does make television look really, really good. Anyway, I'm not saying that it, well, it could have been a banshee. I don't know. But I'd, I'd like to give alternate explanations. Uh, explanations. Now, as they were going around in the dark and they're pitch black, they're only on their night vision camera, one of the ladies went, oh, what's that? And bent over and looked into the corner with some rubble. And what did she find? A comb, a hair comb, like a a, a long tooth comb that would have uh, gone into a lady's bun. Oh, okay. Yes, to secure it. And she's reached out to grab it and Barry Fitzgerald's gone, don't touch it. Don't touch it. And uh, she's going, why? What's wrong? She said, that's been left there to lure you in. And if you touch that, they'll kill you. 
That will be the sign they're taunting you, they're teasing you. They're saying, look at this pretty comb I've left there for you to touch and take so I can come and take your soul. Mm. Right. Mm. But I was very impressed to see they were using a parabolic dish to try and track the sound, where sounds were coming from because uh-huh. they were hearing sounds uh-huh. and they were using that because we use the parabolic dish as well occasionally. Um, there was some, a lot of it was personal encounters. There wasn't really much that was caught on camera except for one picture where there seemed to be, um, like they, they'd said, I've just seen something duck behind that wall and run away. So they've gone over and they're trying to look and they're taking photos with something called, they called an astroscope. Mm-hmm. And I think it was that was the one. And they then compared the photos one after the other, which is a good thing to do always. And one, there was no shadow there. And then the next one, there was half shadow of a, a humanoid sort of shape, like it was starting to, to manifest. Um, they, they supposedly also got an EVP... Oh, no, it wasn't the astroscope. It was a game camera. Sorry, I'm getting all my, my cameras muddled. They had game, We use game cameras too. Yeah. Uh, they had an EVP, which was supposed to say no. I'm sorry, I couldn't hear it. Mm-hmm. It was really... Um, I do have hearing loss. I do have hearing loss. They sent Jael up into the tower because they could hear noises in the tower. And uh, every now and then, uh, Josh or one of the other team members would think they'd saw a shadow up there. And uh, so they sent this poor lady up by herself. And she could hear this metal clanging and noises, which could have been somebody walking up the steps and the the sound of metal creaking, Mm -hmm. but not necessarily steps. And so they've said, well, obviously all this stuff is coming from just below where you are. So go down there and try and work out where that is coming from. And she's going, great, thanks. I'm going to look forward to that. So she starts making her way down, but they never actually say if they worked out where those noises were coming from. Mm, Yeah. (sighs) So really, apart from that, there is not much else out there. It's, again, the same stories, almost word for word repeated in many, many articles. Uh, And you you have to be aware, sometimes they get words wrong, because one of them said that Maria was left the interest of Uh £7,000. And it wasn't. It was Olive. It was Olive. Uh, The opening soundscape was incorrect dates. Mm -hmm. This is why we dig into this stuff to try and, you know, work out, uh, as we always say, we don't do the uh, first person interviews. We don't go and find the people and talk to them. We dig through the internet and see what has been reported and then bring it all forward to compare and talk about and work out what is going on. So I'm going to finish my part up with this. Now Duckett's Grove is a hollow shell with tourists and paranormal enthusiasts exploring the former lavish estate. With a family history of materialism, violence and infidelity and with a Duckett family motto of let us be judged by our acts, it is little wonder therefore that this noble family and those whose lives they touched remain the eternally restless residents of Duckett's Grove. Mm. Isn't that great? Yes. Now, where did I get that from? <laughs> I think that was from the same book that yes. um, 
Yeah, what would the neighbours say? Yes, isn't it? I just love that. Mm. Um, yeah, so would it be haunted? Is it a true haunting? Well, um, the thing about it is that it's, and this is the interesting and conflicting thing that we deal with here. Have the stories of the hauntings created enough emotional connection so that it becomes worthwhile to salvage some of this building because it can be a tourist attraction? Yeah. Can they make money out of is it if they yeah, restore it? Yeah. Is it just the history part and would the history be enough because mm. it's been sitting there decaying yeah. over the years? And like when they were doing this investigation, one of the uh, investigators foot actually went through the floorboards mm. and you could see they hurt themselves but she kept going yeah and that's one of the real dangers of investigating these buildings when they haven't been made safe mm-hmm. yeah and you're not allowed in there it's closed off yeah. you can go around the gardens you can walk around and, and you can have a look at the outside of the building but you cannot go inside mm. and this is this is hard because you kind of go well this is this amazing place it has a a fabulous history which can be brought back to life yeah through doing something like paranormal investigations yeah and some historians hate that yeah they hate that paranormal uh, investigations and ghost tours are brought in but it brings in the money it does and it can be done respectfully we've proved that at maitland jail yes it can be and it it does bring those characters and their stories back into our world. They bring them back to life. And look, I truly believe that this mother, if this is true about the daughter who died, I do believe the mother would have put a curse on the family and um, uh, would have called in the banshee to take the family out because she would have been grieving. She would have been heartbroken that this has happened to her daughter. Yeah. yeah. At the time, maybe it brought money into the family. You don't know. Uh-huh. But that could have also given her guilt. Yeah. So we're also dealing with traditional beliefs of the people of the country. Um, Whether there's really a banshee there, whether it's coincidence that you've heard that. Well, I mean, we've heard stories of the the owl hooting so many times means that death is coming. Yes. Is that the sound of the banshee? Yeah. Mm. Who knows? It's certainly got enough layers Mm -hmm. to create a haunting. Mm -hmm. I'd certainly love to go and check it out now that we've done a little bit of um, storytelling about this place. Yeah. If it's close enough to where we're going, let's let's go. What do you guys think? Do you think this is a true haunting? Let us know. Join us on our Facebook page. We have the True True Hauntings, True Hauntings uh, podcast fans page on uh, Facebook. And if you'd like to support our work, don't forget you can buy me a coffee, Anne and Renata, or become one of our Grand Poobah Patreons and join us twice a month for a little get-together and other bits and bobs. But that really brings us to the end. I reckon it could be a true haunting, but I'm doubtful about the Banshee. Mm. And, uh, yeah, so we'll be back next week with another... or not next week, next fortnight with another one, although we are going to try to get back to weekly next year. We're going to do our best to get back to weekly. Even if we do specials. Yep, and thank you for supporting us and we'll see you on the dark side. Don't forget to stay spooky. Be frightfully good. And don't Don't be be a dickhead. Thank you for listening to this episode of True Hauntings. If you like the show, give us a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. For more on Anne and Renata... 
follow at Ann and Renata on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Or visit their website, www.annandrenata.com.